This broadcast is part of the IC Robots Radio Network. Visit icrobots.com for this and many other nerd slash nostalgia related podcasts. You won't be sorry for long. special program, WKRP in Cincinnati and Lou Grant will not be presented this evening. Tonight's special presentation is brought to you in part by Hardee's. We're out to win you over. And by Clorox, the makers of Tilex Tile Cleaner. Prepare yourself for an in-depth examination of something mundane from Icy Robot's day-to-day existence. Welcome to This Boring Life. Hello, my kids. It is me, Icy Robots, and I am back for another another episode of This Boring Life, the show in which we, we take a look at the origin story of me, Icy Robots, and the way we do it is... One topic at a time, and the topic we are going to tackle this week is something that seemed to be a real big deal at the time and is now not even a deal in any way. This thing is known as gym class. You started off in elementary school, then junior high, and then high school with these daily workouts known as gym class or in some sense... P.E. We're going to talk about what it was like in elementary school, the what it was like in junior high, the sports we played, the games we played, things like that. It should be, this should be a fun one. We've all, we've all had our issues with uh, gym in one way or another. Some of us loved it. Some of us didn't love it so much, but it was all something that we had to partake in. So with all that said... Let's get the party popping. I welcome this opportunity to speak to the people of America, and that is the subject of physical fitness, mental and physical vigor, and I speak not only as President of the United States, but also as a parent of two children with those qualities of vigor and energy which uh, we identify with the best of America. A country uh, is as strong, really, as its citizens. Mental and physical vigor go hand in hand. I hope all Americans will be on the field. Mental and physical vigor, with the participation in the vigorous life, we want them to participate fully in that longer life. But they can only do so if they give some of their time and some of their effort to maintaining that vitality. That, of course, was the famous ex-prez known as JFK. He was all up on the fitness tip. As many presidents have, they... They see it sort of as a positive platform. Who can go wrong with trying to get kids to move? But it's also interesting to see that even back then in the day, they felt as if kids didn't have enough vitality, enough vim, enough vigor. So they had to to actually get the president to go out there and try to motivate them in the proper fitness direction. One way that 
they did this for all of us was with a mandated physical education class. At first, it was a couple days a week, but then as you moved up into middle school and high school, it became every day. You would start off, of course, with some calisthenics, and you would play a sport. And I was thinking about this the other day when I was, you know, trying to put together the the tales for this episode on gym class. It was It was a period of time where you were working out fairly hard for 45 minutes every single day. So why wasn't it that everyone was in shape? It would seem like I wasn't in shape, but I should have been. I was doing push-ups. I was doing sit-ups. I was doing jumping jacks. I was doing all these things every day. But even, even with that, I was still just, you know, just a normal dude. And you would think that if you if you embarked on like a 45-minute fairly strenuous workout every day, you would you would show some results. It must be the diet of a of an 80s kid just is working so so hard against what you're doing in gym class. I mean, you're coming home and you're eating pizza bagels. I would eat I would sometimes eat like microwave hamburgers and stuff that that can be good for you. Let's get back. Let's get back onto the, you know, I'm going to try to try to do this like in order of time. Let's start with let's start with elementary school. At the time I went to a school known as Harnu. It was in Oaklawn, Illinois, and we would only do we would only do physical education maybe like once a week if that. There was a school gym teacher. There was one guy, I cannot remember his name. He was very typical of the time. He had, you know, the sort of bullish haircut and a mustache and those short gym teacher shorts and he would take the various grades and classes one at a time and lead them through different sports. I don't recall ever one time ever at Harnu going outside for physical education. It was always in the gymnasium, the same room where you would do the plays and where you would have assemblies and stuff. You would also do gym class and we would... We would play various indoor sort of sports. I remember we would do a unit on uh, like wiffle ball. We would play with like, we played with like the big red bats and the bigger ball, like an indoor version of baseball. We did like a PE sort of basketball version where it wasn't really basketball as much as it was, you know, basketball drills. I thought that was kind of fun. I've always, I've always enjoyed basketball. I'm not like an excellent basketball player, but I do, you know, I do enjoy getting my hoop on every now and again. And there was like this, there's this period in the nineties where we used to hoop like every day. The, the junior high school is like right around the corner. And that used to be the super active hoops spot. There was a, there was a log and dudes would line up on the log, just waiting, you know, for the opportunity to get in, into the basketball game there that was going on at the time. And this, of course, was, you know, this is the era of, like, Michael Jordan and the Bad Boy Pistons and all that stuff. So, hooping was the thing to do. And I used to go over there and I used to hoop it up a lot. I remember I, I had this gimmick where I would take old t-shirts and I would cut off the sleeves and I would wear the sleeves on my head when I was when I was getting my hoop on. That was my thing. But back to elementary school, I also recall we would do this one unit on tumbling. I don't have... I don't have a lot of Illinois elementary school uh, gym class memories, but this is this is one of the distinct ones. We would do this unit on tumbling. You know, you would do 
basic forward rolls. And if you could get up to it, you might do like a cartwheel and you would do back rolls. And some of the more advanced tumblers would do kind of like a running roll where you would kind of, you know, shoulder roll onto the mat. But I was never, and I'm still not a good tumbler. I can do a forward roll and I can do a backward roll. And if hard pressed, I could do, I think, a running, you know, jumping roll onto a mat. But that's, that's iffy. I would have to be warmed up and I need a few practices. I think I may be able to land one out of four. But at the time, I was a rotten tumbler. I, I had it kind of just in my head. Like, it was, you know, it was in my head. I didn't want to roll forward. I didn't want to, like, leave my feet. And the way they would do it was everybody had to go in a row. You know, you'd line up and then you would take your roll and then the next fool would do their roll. And when you don't with your roll, you go to the back of the line and so on and so forth till everybody got a few rolls. Like, the first time through, Coach What's-His-Face would sort of guide you through and then, you know, it was up to you. Some people just got it right off the bat. But like I said, I wasn't a good tumbler. And when I got up there, he, you know, he sort of guided me through one. And I landed really awkwardly, just like gathunk onto the mat. And then when um, we came around again, I kept, I kept thinking how I didn't want to, I didn't want to like twist my head in and land on my neck. That was my hangup. I didn't want to land on my neck. So when I got to the front of the line again, I was super hesitant. I will say, I will go out on a limb as far as to say I was completely, I was completely wimping out is what it was. I did not want to roll. And the teacher was, he was getting really frustrated with me and I was, you know, hemming and hawing and just didn't want to go forward. And homeboy took me and just kazing flipped me super hard onto the mat. I remember hitting with such a thud. I saw stars. I was all woozy and wobbly. And homeboy just, you know, scooped me up and sent me back to the line. And I I don't recall what happened next. I probably, I mean, I probably got a concussion. That's probably exaggerating it a bit. But it is altogether possible that I did because homie slammed me like super hard onto the mat, but that's just, that's just the way it was back then. I didn't think twice. I didn't go and think, oh golly, coach mustache is abusing me. I thought just, I'm wussing out on the thing. Coach got sick of me and gave me the, gave me the flip. That still sticks with me though. I really do remember that story. And I, at one point, you know, when I had to do like tumbling again, uh, you know, later in life, this was the first thing that popped into my head was, getting the uh getting the rock bottom from coach Jim Shorts and it did take you know a few minutes to get over it I did I quickly you know blocked it out and tried my best to get into tumbling again and eventually you know I, I did sort of get it down but homie did in some way scar me but that's just that's just the way it was in Illinois the teachers were definitely rougher the teachers were definitely meaner the teachers would yell more then when I eventually moved to California, moving to California was a gigantic culture shock. In Illinois, it was it was old school. The school was like one building upstairs, downstairs, and you just sort of stayed in your class and the teacher was the law. There were lots and lots of kids and nobody would mess with the teacher. It was it was, it was fear, it was fear-based. And then when I moved to California, it was totally different. We had portables. We would go from, you know, like building to building. And 
the teachers were all super duper hippy dippy and mellow. I had both my fourth grade teacher and my fifth grade teacher wanted me to call them by their first name. I forget the first one, but the fifth grade teacher was Andrea. I don't remember Andrea what, but that was that was just mind blowing to me moving to California and having the teachers be like, oh, don't worry, man, you can call me. You can call me Tina. You can call me Andrea. It's cool. It was just, just mind blowing. It was like two different worlds. The The kids here in California seem so grown up compared to the kids back in Illinois. They, they seemed as if they were practically adults. When I think about the kids back in Oak Lawn at a Harnu Elementary, they definitely were kids. We were for sure kids. We did kid things played kid games and wore, you know, kid gear. When I came here, everybody had, like, designer gear and fancy shoes. It was really just, you know, it was eye-opening, man. It was a real, real humdinger. But uh, back to, back to good old Harnu. Another thing that I recall us doing in gym class was uh, square dancing. That was, that was such a wacky thing to do in gym. I wonder if they thought it was... Like a form of equality, like this was like something for the girls, like all the all the games are for the dudes and you gotta, you gotta throw a bone to the gal so you have a, you have a whole unit on square dancing. That was so weird though. It was very tense because I recall, you know, at the time, I was still at that age and on that tip where the idea of coming into actual physical contact with a girl was appalling and... They would, you know, really force the situation. And as I, as I recall, the girls, they felt very similarly about the whole thing. You know, they didn't want to, they didn't want to jump in there and grab on the dudes either. And I would imagine that a Illinois-based third, second grader is probably going to be gross. I would dig holes and I would play with worms and do things like that. So I can't imagine that they were you know, itching to get their paws on me. It was very tense and very strange. And I don't, it didn't seem as if it was the kind of thing that either the gals or the dudes enjoyed. So I I wonder in the end why it was done, but it was done. One thing that I remember real vividly about the square dancing unit was there was a girl at school and when I think back, I, I feel bad about it, but everybody, for whatever reason, decided that she was the ugly girl in, in, in the class, and people, you know, shunned her to a degree, and everybody would joke and not want to have to do the square dancing session with, with this gal, and, you know, I, I feel bad about it. I remember, like, to myself... I didn't think that there was anything wrong with her, but at the same time, I just stuck with the group. And I wasn't, like, the real teasy type, but, you know, I I didn't, like, stand up for her or do anything like that. So I, I'm definitely complicit in this, in this bullying. I hope that, you know, things turned around for, for this gal. I really do. I hope that, you know, they eventually stopped with this because I, I moved away. She, she lived on our street, this girl. So I would see her sometimes like outside of school. Like I would see her over at the park. There was a park around the corner and she would sometimes be over there with like her sisters or with her friends from the neighborhood. And I'd be over there with uh, the friends that I had that were in the neighborhood. A lot of times recall how 
the neighborhood friends weren't necessarily the same as the school friends. The neighborhood friends were based, you know, just sort of on, on proximity. And these were, you know, my proximity pals. And she was with her proximity pals. And we would, like, intermingle and play freeze tag or whatever. And I would treat her normally at this time. But then at school, while I didn't really, like, participate with the teasing, I was definitely, you know, observing the teasing and being around the teasing she would get. So I, I feel bad about it now. I I don't want her to have to uh, have gone through this. It's, you know, a bad, a bad mark in my life. But this is one of the things I think about when I think of the square dancing at the school is how nobody wanted to do it with this poor gal and everyone would pretend like she had cooties and stuff. It was, it was super mean. And uh, people are sensitive about their appearance. So I hope that... I hope it's all good in the hood. So this is this is about all I remember of the early Illinois Harnu gym deal. The deal wasn't that big. We would only go a couple times a week. It wasn't something that was overly pushed. But then, Time goes by, and we moved to uh, California, and I went to elementary school known as Binkley, and they would do gym more often. It was, like, not every day, but almost every day, and the games, the games that we would do here were just totally different than the games we did there. These games in California were so much more, like, kicking-oriented, kickball was a big deal. I had never even heard of kickball in my entire life. And this was something that dudes have been playing for years. I never even heard of such a thing. And then soccer. Now, I knew soccer existed. I had heard of it. I had heard it say on, you know, the news or the sports. Maybe, maybe I had heard of Pele. But I had no idea how soccer was played. I had never seen a soccer ball in real life. I had never played soccer even for a second, I thought it was something that was only played in other countries, in far away lands. But when I moved here, everybody had been in soccer leagues since they were in kindergarten. And now this was just the thing to do. This is a giant California phenomenon, but it is in Rincon Valley. That's the neighborhood that I came up in, in Santa Rosa. It is a super phenomenon. It used to be that Santa Rosa High or Montgomery High would make it just about every year to the state soccer finals with both boys and girls. And that was because for whatever reason, the Rincon Valley area produces tons of high quality soccer players. They start them young, they stick with it, and over time, you know, the elite few become top dogs and there wasn't always a high school in Rincon Valley. Now there is, and now that school, Marilla Carilla, is dominating soccer like nobody before. They win the division handily every year. The girls almost always go to state. The dudes do great. The girls' team was undefeated for like season after season after season. It was something I would see in the sports page all the time, but coming up, I had never even so much as had any experience in soccer. And when we would do PE class, soccer was a frequent activity. And I would just 
I would just get murked. I had no idea how to do anything. Dudes were like kicking the ball, bouncing it off their heads, and I was just like a fish out of water with this. I stunk, and right off the bat, this gave me the reputation of a bad athlete. Dudes are like, that guy stinks, man. Look at him with the soccer ball. He's the worst. And the same when it came to kickball. I'd never heard of the game. I'd never played the game. And these these soccer-oriented dudes would just mash homers. And I I stunk at it, too, because I didn't have a lot of experience kicking. In Illinois, the only kicking anybody would ever do would be, like, kicking a football. Like, if you were going for an extra point or a field goal. And that was something only, only weirdos did. But when I got here, dudes could, like... They could do anything with their feet. I had no feet skills. I had hand skills. I could catch. I could throw. I could throw a football. But these just weren't things that dudes were doing in elementary school PE. So right off the bat, I got this rep as like just a stink athlete. Not that that was like super far off the truth. But we'll get back back into it in a sec. We're going to take a quick break. Catch our breath, and I will return with some Binkley Tales. Lately, you have heard a great deal about physical fitness. What does physical fitness mean to you? Raymond, this is how well we play ball. Steve, how strong our muscles are. Joan, it's the kind of food we eat and the amount of sleep we get. I see Robots Radio. Well, it all has something to do with sunshine, fresh air, and cleanliness. Now let's discuss the human body. Our muscles help our body work. But our brain makes our muscles work. Do we exercise our brain? Yes. How? By using it. Why is it important to exercise our body? Don? Our body is like a machine. If we don't use it, it gets rusty. That is definitely true. The The less you use your body, the rustier it gets. I, I like to stretch a lot. I like to stay loose if I can, as much as I can. I try to, you know, maintain flexibility. And if you don't, like, stretch out for a few days, you will fully just go back to being inflexible again. So try to use that body as much as you can. Go for walks. I, I go for lots of walks. I walk the dog a lot. So I... Gotta keep the joints lubricated. They did a lot of different kind of sports at Binkley than we did back at Harnu. One thing that I remember doing that I thought was just totally zany was the earth ball. We had nothing like this back in, uh, you know, good old Oaklawn. It was a giant, like, inflatable ball with a... Uh, you know, it was like a soft kind of rubber, like a giant playground ball that had the like a, the globe on it. It was like that, but without the the lines that a globe has. It was just, you know, a big, big earth. And they would pull this thing out every once in a while. And we would like run around and push it in the field. We would sort of have to do this drill where... The goal was to move it from one end of the field to the other. Like, as a unit, you had to, like, everyone would get all around it, and you had to push and pull it and move it and roll it and uh, make sure that nobody would get squished. That was boring. Sometimes they would let us, like, push it around and shove it and do things like that. And then that was, that was pretty cool. People would get completely mushed in that. I remember getting knocked over by the earth ball and run over by it, like, a million, billion times. But it was... 
it was kind of funny. It was kind of fun to get squished by it. People would run and leap into it and bounce off in the other direction. People would, like, climb to the top or try to climb on it. It was, it was pretty fun. I wouldn't mind getting uh, some Earth Ball action nowadays. I wonder where the Earth Ball came from, and I wonder how it was how it was maintained. I don't really wonder too hard. I guess if I did, I could, I could just go check it out. I just, I'm a bit curious. Do you think that they sort of brought the earth ball around throughout the district? You know, like every school would get a chance at the earth ball. Or do you think that each school had their own one? And do you, do you think that they would inflate it when they used it and then deflate it when they didn't use it? Or do you think that, do you think that the trouble of inflating it was such that you would, you know, just take the massive size hit and store it somewhere, you know, inflate it. We, we didn't, like, have a machine shop at the school or anything, as far as I know. I don't even know if they had, like, a compressor. When I would see, when I would see teachers, you know, inflating various balls, it was always with, um, one of those small black hand pumps that you just, like, stick in and just... Not even like a foot pump, you know, where you stand on it and push down, just like a small. That was, you know, the way it was. So I don't know what they would use to inflate the earth ball. They must have, like, moved it around, and I bet you every school just got to turn at it every once in a while because it was an event that we didn't do, like, hardly ever, maybe, like, once, twice a year at the most. Another thing that we did that was fun was they had, like, a parachute, like a big, um, like a big piece of, you know, like parachute-like material, that silky material, and people would stand all around the outside, and you would get a turn to be, like, in the middle, and they would toss you up in the air and catch you. That always, that always sketched me out. I wasn't, wasn't the type to be trusting enough in my school chums that they would, you know, actually catch me. I realized that nobody was, like, a sociopath and that they are going to catch you, but it was, it was a bit hairy to me. You would get tossed up like, fairly high sometimes. I'm sure it wasn't, like, more than, you know, five or six feet, but it felt, it felt really high, especially when, you know, you're on your back and you're looking up. You don't have, like, the best vantage point to see on your sides to, like, really know what's going on. And also, it's like you're losing control. It's not you that's doing the jumping. You were being thrown. So, it always felt a bit sketchy to me to do it, and I, I've always been sort of a worrywart as far as hurting myself. So this wasn't like one of my favorite things, but I did, I did kind of get like an exhilarating thrill from it. I'm not gonna say that I didn't. It was cool. What else? What else did we do? We did earth ball. We did parachute. We played a lot of kickball. Kickball was really, that was really the go-to sport. And I just wasn't like a kickballing star. I could, I could catch the ball. You know, when it was, you know, kicked in my direction, no problem. I could field and stop it and do all that stuff. But I didn't have the, uh, I didn't have the kicking skills to, like, be, like, a really good offensive player. And it was the sort of gimmick where, you know, your teammate would pitch to you, right? You know, it was team pitching. It wasn't, like, dudes were trying to strike you out. And they would always ask you what kind of a bounce you wanted. Like, so do, some dudes would want, like you know, slow baby bouncies, other people would want, you know, high bouncies, fast high bouncies, and I had, like, no preference, because I hadn't even, you know, come up with this. These dudes had been doing this for years, and they've, they've really figured out whether they want the, you know, the high baby bouncies, or the slow baby bouncies, maybe the fast baby bouncies, maybe it's the fast rollies. I had no idea. I would be like, 
just roll it, dude. I'm still trying to, you know, I'm still trying to get my, my sea legs in this game. And I never really did because you only play kickball for like 4th, 5th, 6th. So I started to get better at it. But I, even like today, I don't have those immense kicking skills. There would be dudes who, these were like soccer stars. You know, the dudes who went on to be like captain of the soccer team. I don't know what position is the captain. I don't really know a lot about soccer. The... These are the dudes who'd go to be the star of, you know, the, like Montgomery or Santa Rosa High. And they would, they could, if they wanted to, very easily rope the ball up onto the roof. I've, I've recently been over to Binkley. I kind of wanted to prep for this episode. So I hopped on my bike and I rode through the old neighborhood and I rode through the old school, just like hoping that, you know, I would see things that would bring memories to mind, like, you know, jog, jog something loose and... When I went through Binkley, I noticed that, you know, from where the the kickball field was and still is today, the the roof is not that far. I think now today if you gave me a shot, I could I could pretty easily put one up there, but the the deal was if you kicked the ball onto the roof, your whole team was out. I remember that being a really stern rule, like there was no bending about that. If you kicked one and it went on the roof, you were out. So you wanted to sort of kick a line drive that would veer off past the building. Because once you got, the building was like directly in front of you. But if you kicked it down toward left field or right field, you could avoid the building. And if you could get it over the fielder's heads, it would just roll, you know, until they, they could catch up with it. And that was... That was the move, even though I I think that, like, in a way, it's kind of impressive to hit, like, a, a big moonshot that lands on the roof. But that was definitely a no-go. Not that I could really do either. I would, every once in a while, like, get a nice line drive. But I was just... I never picked up the foot skills to be, like, a kickball star. The uh, last thing that I remember about kickball that is somewhat relevant is at the end of... At the end of sixth grade, like your graduation grade, before you would move on to junior high, they would have a big, the big year-end carnival. The main event for the carnival would be a teacher versus student kickball game. And that was, that was always fun. I got to see three of these, you know, fourth, fifth, and sixth. I never got to compete. They would pick like a squad of, you know, the kickball all-stars. And I was never like good enough to be considered like an all-star caliber dude they would go up against the teachers and every year that I saw it the teachers really showed no mercy they had mostly the dude teachers you know the younger dude teachers and they would be like kick roping dingers just left and right they showed no mercy to the students at all each and every year and I can appreciate that like over the course of the school year I imagine you have to take a lot of a lot of junk from the kids, and it's nice to actually get the opportunity to, like, physically go out there and assert some of your dominance. You know, you you uh, gotta send them off with a bang into real life. You gotta let them know that people aren't gonna pull their punches when they move up to up to middle school. One game that I I remembered when I zipped the old uh, cruiser bike through the, uh, the school is States, and I don't know if this is something people play everywhere or if it was just like a game they made up because they happened to have a giant map of the United States painted on the ground. It was it was pretty big, like maybe 40, 
30 yards across. It took up a giant portion of the of the playground, and it was a, a you know very nice simulation of the, of the map of the United States with all the different states broken up, and the states were different colored. None of them were labeled with a name. They just had the shape, and there was this popular game called States, and how it worked was like this. California was, you know, is our home state, so everybody would stand in California, except for the one person who was it. They would stand, they could stand wherever they wanted, but usually they would stand sort of in the Midwest, Illinois, Indiana sort of range, kind of in that area, and they would call out a state, and everybody had to run to that state and touch it while the person who was it would try to tag as many people as they could. Everybody who got tagged then would join up with the person who was it, and, you know, the virus would grow until there was only one person left who would be the winner, and then, you know, the winner would have to go and try to make it past everybody, and they never would. The The game was kind of fun because you had to know what the state was. They would yell, Montana, and everybody has to run and go to Montana. The, the states, the person who was it could call was limited, of course, by how many states they themselves knew, so it was a nice give and take. I thought, I thought states was fun. I, I was okay at it. I was, you know, a bit above average. I had a pretty fair knowledge of the states at the time, so I was able to, you know, make a good it as well as a good player, but I've never been, I've never been like super fast, you know, I'm not like the fastest dude around, so I, I, I could definitely be caught, I could be, be captured. Sometimes we would go in the gym, the gym also doubled for the school cafeteria, and the tables were usually set up, so there was like this brief time in the morning that you could use the gym, and every once in a while, we would go in there, but it wasn't very often, and when we did, we would, I don't even remember, like, what we would do, we'd kind of bounce balls and just do, do weird things, bounce the balls off the wall, throw balls back and forth, the, the sports at Binkley were all, like, really non-contact, you know, there was no sort of dodgeball or any, anything like that, it was real simple, real safe kind of stuff, kickball was, about as competitive as it got outside of soccer, and most of the soccer games were during recess. We didn't, we didn't soccer it up all that often in, in the actual, like, competitive PE. We would do it, and it would be done. It was, it was one of the, you know, the main focuses, but they, they did spend more of, you know, the actual percentage of the time on sort of just, like, non-competitive ball bouncing, running around, kind of, kind of things, and, you know, that was, that was cool. I don't really believe it did a lot to prepare us for the middle school PE, where you start playing more, more legitimate sports, like basketball and football and softball and things like that. It, it was a bit of a culture shock when we moved up to, up to that kind of thing, at least, at least for me, after all this time, you know, of playing Binkley sports, it was, it was a bit of a shock to be, you know, playing like uh, flag football. But it was dope because I did have, you know, the Illinois years of like, you know, backyard football type experience. And elementary school was where I was also introduced to the Presidential Physical Fitness Award. This wasn't something that we did at at Haranu. And it was, 
it was a bit wacky to me. I've never been fast afoot. I can do a fair amount of push-ups, at least I could at the time. My jam was always sit-ups, and I don't really... I don't really know why. I don't have abs in any way, but I've always been able to, like, bust out a, a high amount of sit-ups. It's just, I don't know, I could I could get the gold medal in sit-ups. I could get, like, a lower medal in push-ups. I would never, never medal in any of the running events. I'm just, I'm not, like, fast like that. I could do, like, at the time, a pull-up or so. So I remember even, like, one pull-up was enough to qualify you for a medal. I I never liked this because it was just, like, in front of everybody. Everyone would have to take their turn, like, all in a row. And it made me feel weird to be up, like, trying to do pull-ups. Especially, especially if you had to go against this or after. There was this one kid, and his name was Roger Moore. He went to my school. He was kind of like a new wave kind of kid he would wear like those oversized jackets you know those oversized blazers and like frankie says relaxed shirt and his hair was kind of poofed up on the top you know and he he had that just you know i'm like i'm like uh james spader in the in the 80s kind of vibe but the bro could do pull-ups like nobody's business he could do pull-ups so much that i still remember the dude doing pull-ups back in the day he could he could bust them out like a mug. I'm serious. He would he would get up there and he was doing like 50, 60 pull-ups when everybody else was, you know, just struggling for one. So I got to give it up to Roger Moore. I have no idea why he had this upper body strength. I have no idea where he is today. I have no idea what he's doing today. I remember even, even in middle school when we would do the presidential physical fitness, this dude was the pull-up champ. As a matter of fact... I still live near the old middle school, and I'll go over there once in a while to shoot some hoops, and they have a board where they have all of the, the school records, and this homie, Roger Moore's name, is still up there for the school pull-up record, so I gotta give it up to him. If you happen to hear this, Roger Moore, you know, big up, I give it to you, I wonder what you are up to today, but the presidential physical fitness was never my jam, I never liked it in elementary school, I was not so much into it going into middle school either. Oh, oh, and the the dude's name wasn't Roger Moore. I I should probably mention that. That's what I called him. His name was Roger and I thought that I thought that I was witty by calling him Roger Moore. Roger Moore was like I I was never a big James Bond dude. I've I've, I've said that a couple times, but the James Bonds I did see had Roger Moore in them. So to me, Roger Moore has always been my James Bond. So I I just I nicknamed this guy Roger Moore. I it's, it's not his name at all. I just <laughs> I was thinking I wonder if dudes are going to go out there and start looking up Roger Moore and maybe harassing the wrong dude like maybe there is in fact a Roger Moore out there who can bust out the pull-ups and they'll be like, "Hey man, I heard about you on the thing." Don't do that. That wasn't wasn't actually dude's name. His name was Roger. I don't know. So, at this point, I think that might be all of the all of the elementary school sports. I know that we did other things, but there wasn't anything that was like super significant. So, let's take another quick pause and we are going to come back and talk about uh junior high sports, PE sports. It's going to be fun even though it wasn't so much at the time. It was a bit of fun. Exercise on the grip swing puts muscles on the least athletic. 
Extension push-ups are among the toughest of the drill. On a hot day, they wet down the wrestling mats for sliding. A lad who has mastered the pegboard will find the military obstacle course a snap. As an incentive to excel, the color of the shorts the boys wear is determined by their ratings on performance charts. The boys at La Sierra are learning that it's not only good sense to get toughened up, it's fun. All right, my dudes, we are we are back for the junior high portion of the show. Junior high is now known as middle school, but at the time, you know, we just we called it junior high, and I went to Rincon Valley Junior High, which is very close to where we live now. I walk the dog, and I. I cut through there quite a quite a bit, so it's like all near and dear to near and dear to my heart. But at the time, the transition from elementary to middle school was it was pretty traumatic for me. I had I had a group of friends in elementary school, and they weren't like proximity pals. They didn't live near me. I had other dudes that lived near me that I would hang out with, but these were the dudes that I hung out with. With at school, and then when we transitioned into into summer and stuff, I would lose contact. I would try to keep up with dudes on the phone, but we lived in different portions of the area, and we didn't get together very much. And then what went on was between elementary and junior high, like, I'm going to say five out of the six dudes in my crew all transitioned to a different middle school. I, I don't know why that was. I... I still am not sure why that was, but only me and one other dude from the old crew ended up going to the to the middle school together, and me and this dude were friends, but we weren't tight like I was with some of the other guys, so when the middle school program started up, the, the old uh, Binkley posse kind of broke up, and I was out there. I was out there on my dolo, which... Which wasn't great fun, and at the time, it was it was very traumatic. I remember coming home and just hating middle school with all my heart. Eventually, eventually, I did find some D and D nerds and comic book nerds to hang out with, so it it was all good. But the days at the beginning, I was largely by myself, and I didn't even know that these other dudes were were transferring because we weren't really so much like the outside of school friends because that would that required you getting your parents to drive you around and stuff because they lived more toward the Montgomery Village district that's that's kind of like Gino Vega's neck of the woods his school was over in those portions and the dudes that I knew in elementary for whatever reason they lived over in that area so I didn't get together with them all that much and I didn't even know that they were transferring so it was all just like a big punch in the gut, you know. It was it was a bad scene, but I did maintain and we are here to talk about junior high sports, which is like a whole different universe from elementary school sports. In elementary I talked about how we would do like kickball and stuff like that. When we transferred into junior high, it was it was like all into real sports. We would play softball flag football, which I enjoyed a lot. We were introduced to the game of dodgeball, which I thought was fun. Again, we did the presidential physical fitness. We did a whole like track and field event. We played basketball. There was like a brief wrestling sort of thing. Let's, let's kind of take it one at a time. One of the big, 
One of the big transitions also was you had to change into uh, gym clothes. Back in elementary school, you just you just wore your gear, but here there was a locker room and you were assigned a locker and you had to change into a uh, PE clothes. I remember everybody was assigned a pair of gray sweats and a t-shirt and also a pair of shorts and the shirt had the Rinkin Valley logo on it, but then they would go ahead and they would they would like spray paint. You would get a stencil with your with your name on it and they would spray paint across the stencil your uh, first initial and your last name and that's how that's how your clothes were designated. In general, people would wear the sweats, but they had this wacky rule that if you wanted to wear the sweats for whatever reason, you had to wear the shorts over the sweats. I could never figure that out. I still can't figure that out today because you could wear the shorts if you wanted to wear the shorts, but if you chose to wear the sweats, you had to put the shorts all the way over like you were a Superman or something. And that was, that was what I normally did. I was like a sweats and t-shirt dude, but I did, I did sometime rock the shorts when it would get warm. It was, it was really weird changing in front of other dudes in the first place. A lot of guys, they just jumped in it, but I was kind of slow to take to it. But it wasn't, it wasn't a very like traumatic event. I, I didn't mind because you only had to get down into like your boxer shorts. So it wasn't like a big deal. And they had showers available for the first time, and we were never forced to shower like you see in some sitcoms. It was it was entirely optional, and what I recall about this was only the Mexican kids would shower, and I don't mean like the Mexican-American kids. There was, there was like a whole crew of dudes who moved here right from Mexico, and that's completely common living in California. There are always, you know, like... Mexican nationals living near you and it's all it's all good in the hood you know it's not like there's any kind of beef or anything of that sort it's all you know it's just like a day-to-day part of life but they were the only homeboys who ever like actually went in there and shower and all of the dudes who were like you know Mexican nationals who moved here they they all showered none of the none of the California born and bred dudes or even me ever ever took a shower I never saw it once but these dudes were in there every day and you know what? You got to give it to a man because the reason you don't shower is because you have like a hangup of being seen in the buff. And these guys, they just, you know, they went for it all in the uh, name of cleanliness. So I don't know. We probably we probably all walked around and stunk and they smelled fine. So I don't know. One uh, one up for them. The the locker you got was like, as I recall, four little lockers all broken up and they they had like mesh sides and stuff to like air out your stink. I would. I would hardly ever take my gym clothes home and wash them. I was I was bad at stuff like that. I would just forget like day-to-day things and taking my gym clothes home was one of them. The I don't remember the order that we did the sports in, but I do remember you would start off every day with like calisthenics, which was all new. You do like push-ups and four-count burpees and jumping jacks and all stuff like that. And then after you would do that, you would run a lap. I believe it was only one lap, if I recall. And then we would get into, like, our individual sports units. I have this... I have this very distinct memory that we started with flag football. Like, right out the gate. And to me, this was wild because there wasn't tackling or anything. If you don't know what flag football is, I, I kind of feel like you do, but I'm going to explain it anyway. You have a belt with a flag on each side. It's like a piece of, you know, it's like a piece of plastic, a colored piece of plastic that designated your team and it hung off of a 
like a Velcro deal. And if somebody could pull off your flag, you were you were down, you were out as if you were tackled and you would play football that way. But I recall jumping into this right out the gate and it seemed it seemed so real because we were crashing into dudes, we were blocking and I was I was way into this. I was like an unknown commodity is what I feel because I was fairly decent at football just from like my Illinois experience of playing a lot of ball and also me, my brother, my cousin across the street and my brother's friend Lauren who we called Cockroach, we would all play like two and two football like just about every day out of school. So I knew how to pass and I knew how to catch and I knew how to block and I knew how to do all that stuff. And I was not like a super athlete, but I do I do know how to play sports. I I cherish the fundamentals of sports and I, I can do all like the fundamental stuff, but I'm not a good athlete in the sense. I don't really run super fast. I can't jump super high. I'm not like exceptionally strong. I just, I try to play smart is what I do. That's That's my thing, but I was kind of like an unknown commodity because not everybody knew that I was into anything at all like sports because I I spent my time, you know, playing D&D and reading books in the library in middle school. But when it came time to play, of course, I was picked very low. But then when we started, I did all right. I recall surprising people like right out the gate with some of my football skills. I was I was designated as like a blocker at first and I was I was fairly good at blocking and I was knocking dudes down and having a really great time and then eventually I sort of got moved into a position where they would let me like defend against guys and occasionally catch a pass and stuff. I was never like Johnny Superstar, but I was considered like somebody who was like all right, you know, good enough that you could throw the ball to them and they would catch it or if you needed them to like designate a block or drop a block or whatever you want to say they they could come through and that's that's fine mr mr guido was the coach at the at the junior high the pe teacher we all call him coach guido he i don't know i have mixed feelings on coach guido but at any rate he he was a new teacher the year that we started and one thing that he really liked to do was, and I I think this was cool, and I do agree with this, is when you would start the football unit or the softball unit or whatever the unit was, you would stick with the same team that you were picked for for the entirety of the unit. I had different teachers who would have you, like, picking different teams every day, but Coach Guido, he would either, like, have teams picked or sometimes, sometimes he would assign teams, and these would be the teams that you would stick with the whole time, so... You got to know your football homies and you kind of you kind of became a team and it was always fun. One one unit in particular I remember I actually got picked to be the captain. He would he would kind of do that. He would pick like the jocks and stuff to be the team captains, but sometimes he would throw a bone and pick one of the one of the nerds to be the captain and the nerds would usually pick the They would make intelligent picks. They would try to pick good athletes and good players trying to make a winning team. And what I would see was they would sort of get pushed out of the out of the team captain team captain position. Right. Because the other jocks aren't going to take orders from a dude who's a good dungeon master. They would just they're going to do it their own way. And like a like a head of the pack is just kind of going to rise up and. When I was given my chance, I said, I don't want that to happen. I want to have a team and I want to have fun. So I picked, 
I picked all the other D&D nerds and people who I was cool with, and we were having, like, a super good time. Look, we lost, like, just about every game, but I got to be the quarterback, and I was having, like, a, a hoot of a time. This was one of the best units ever, but then something happened that was, like, really great and really fun. There was this guy, his name was Steve, and he was a cool guy, hip dude, really neat, kind of a, kind of a jock, but not... Not a jerk jock. He was like a nice jock. And when we did the picking, he was off on like a family trip or whatever. I don't know where he was. But when he came back, my team was in like last place. So Coach Guido's like, all right, Steve, you're on this team. And when he came in, I said, look, you can be the quarterback, Steve. I don't I don't even care. I realize you're the better athlete. It would be fun to win some games. And he's like, no, man, you're the team captain. You're the quarterback. I'll just, you know, I'll play Jerry Rice. You play Joe Montana. I was thinking more along the lines of, like, I would be, like, Jim McMahon, the funky QB known as McMahon, the punky QB known as McMahon. He could be, like, Walter Payton, you know, sweetness. So we did it like that, and I was, you know, I didn't have, like, a super strong arm, but I do have an accurate arm, and I have, like, good field vision. I don't I don't freak out. I can see, like, an open receiver and... Like, wait till, you know, I have to throw the ball. I don't freak out in the pocket. I I got a cool head, is what I'm saying. So, I nailed Steve with some good passes over the years. And I remember nailing my friend Dave with passes. And look, we stunk. We were the worst. We probably lost, like, every game. Maybe we won, like, one or two. But that was, like, a really good memory of my time in junior high football. Because it was me, and it was the dudes I got along with. All my D&D friends. All my Car Wars friends. And we had, like one jock ringer who happened to be like a really cool guy it was it was a lot of fun that was my favorite football memory from the entirety of junior high another another unit that we would do that i dug was was softball i really had a good time in pe softball i love playing softball i i feel like i should join a softball team but that's like too much effort to go and find one nowadays the the pooptronics station doesn't have one i wish we had one but I don't know if you can organize it with one worker and a couple of robots, but that's that's some Toys R Us report talk right there. Not some not some this boring live talk, but softball was one of my favorites. I'm like a big baseball fan. I still am. I, I support the the Oakland Athletics. I am green and gold until I'm dead and cold. But at at the time, you know, softball was like that was that was my jam, but like the other sports, I was not considered like a top draft pick, but I would get picked. But again, I had good fundamentals in this. Me and my cousin and Cockroach and my brother and even my dad sometimes. My dad was a really good high school baseball player and he would take us out, take us down to the park and throw us batting practice all the time. So I knew how to whack a ball and how to catch a ball and throw. I didn't, I didn't play literally, which kind of held back my my standing. Most of the dudes who played Little League were like the top, top picks in softball and just fully so, you know, I would play and goof around every once in a while, but these guys had like formal practices and games and they could really play. I was just like, you know, a decent playground player, but I did, I did enjoy playing. I, I had kind of a strategy where I would like shoot for hitting singles or doubles. I would try to hit like line drives out there or like hard ground balls because I knew that most of the dudes weren't weren't good fielders, and if you could get one, like, past somebody, it would just, like, roll forever. We had, at the junior high, like, three different fields you would play in, and two of them 
were like on opposite sides of the same field. Like you would, to some degree, share the outfield with the other attached field, and you could you could very easily like hit it past somebody into the other game. And if you could do that, you were guaranteed extra bases for sure because. Everybody in the other game would just jump out of the way like the ball was poison, like you're just not interfering in any way, and it would just rattle around out there. I was I was good at the other field hit, but I was never, and I still am not, like a really good power hitter. When I, when I hit fly balls, they tend to get caught. I just don't have the, I don't have like the body coordination to get my whole everything into it to hit like big home runs, but... I can definitely always make contact, and I hit a ton of singles, and I enjoy enjoy playing ball, softball. Uh, let's see, what is my best memory of the entirety of the junior high softball career? The the best season I can recall of junior high softball was it was much like the football story. This one's going to share a lot of similarities, but there are some some interesting little uh, tidbits involved in it, but. This one involves this kid named Greg. This kid named Greg was an amazing athlete. The guy was big in junior high school. He was like six foot two, six foot three. He had he had muscles. I remember when he would change in the locker room, dude had like like abs and you know just giant arms. And he didn't he didn't hardly play sports at all. He was just one of those one of those guys that was blessed. His father was a minister and he liked he liked Greg to stay active over at the church. So he didn't play sports or any of that kind of stuff. Not like, you know, organized sports, but the dude was dude was a phenomenal athlete and just a heck of a nice guy. Dude was dude was great and super devout. I actually bumped into bumped into Greg over at G Market a couple years ago and I was like, wow, man, what are you doing? What have, what have you been up to all these years? And he told me that he, he was in Africa doing missionary work. He was building churches, and he'd been, he'd been doing that since high school got out. And I said, man, you know, you're living the life. You're living the life you wanted. So I am happy for you being out there doing some good in the world. But he was picked to be the softball captain, and dude had a really big heart, and he picked every nerd in the entire PE class, including me and... Coach Guido liked to keep teams together, like I said, and he would he would keep standings of all the games and he would match, you know, the teams up with each other and eventually they would they would come out to be a champion. And we did surprisingly well in this softball season because I don't know why, because we just did good. I remember having like a terrific time at bat and everybody was just coming through and this guy this guy Greg was like a modern day Babe Ruth. He was jacking homers. He was just doing he was doing everything to carry us. And we we were competitive all the way up until the end. One of one of my really, really distinct memories of this season was that Greg Greg didn't have a mitt of his own. You had to bring your own mitt from home if you wanted to have a mitt. And I think there were, like, a few mitts that belonged to the PE class, but there wasn't more than, like, three, two or three, so it was best if you brought your own. I would bring my own. Almost everybody did, but homeboy Greg didn't have one, but every single day he would he would bring some twine in his pocket, and he would wrap the twine all the way around his hand like a mitt. Like, he would bring you know, a lot of it so that it would be like layer and layer and layer and around the thumb and around the thing. And 
he would have twine hand. He would be at bat with the twine hand, like a twine hand glove, and he would be out in out in the field with the twine hand. I have such distinct memories of Homie pulling that out of his pocket every day and just like do 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 do. And I always wondered if it was if it was the same twine or if it was like different twine every day. Like he had something at home, like maybe his pack his parents received like a shipment of whatever over at the church and he would you know he would snatch the twine up the box and use it to use it as a mitt if i'm remembering correctly and this may just be the memories of time you know just being clouded by whatever i seem to recall we made it all the way to the championship game and that it was close but we lost i know not if that's true i'm going to i'm going to choose to believe that was true and that I do know we had uh, we had a really great time that season. Other seasons, I I remember not having as much fun. One year, I was I was you know in line waiting to be picked, and one of the one of the big jocks at the school picked me absolutely first out of everybody, and this was completely suspicious to me because I knew that the guy was he was a known jerk. He was a jerk jock, and. It was just completely out of character for him to do something like that. And then when we started the the season, he was like overly nice to me. He was always like, hey, homie, what position do you want to play? You know, do you want to pitch? Do you want to catch? Maybe, maybe play shortstop or whatever. And it was just like super suspicious. And then one day he was just like not as nice to me. And I got to admit, I, I saw like that this was just incredibly peculiar and I was never... Never entirely comfortable with it. But then one day he came up to me and I'm going to, I'm going to use a word that I don't really like to use. I think it's a mean word. I don't like to say it, but I'm going to say it because it was what was said to me. He like, he came up to me and he whispered, just go out in the, in the outfield, retard. The coach told me I have to pick you and hang out with you, but I don't like it. I'm sick of it. So just go out in the outfield, retard. And I was like, I knew it. I knew that there was something up to it. The coach must have gone to him and taken him up to the side and been like, hey man, you're like, you know, you're one of the best athletes in the school. Why don't you take one of these nerds under your wing and show them how it goes? And for whatever reason, he picked me. And I knew that I was like a D&D nerd, but I knew that I was not one of the one of the lower echelon sportsmen in the school. And it really, really hurt me that I was picked for this. And I don't think the coach had anything in his heart that was... That was mean-spirited, but when it comes down to kids and it comes down to jerk jocks, it's always going to be mean-spirited, and dude just had enough, and I remember he just didn't want to be nice to me anymore, and from then on, it was, you know, he was calling me a tard. He was whispering in my ear, but he was kind of making it so that, like, I better play along because we know the coach is watching, and I had to go through, like, an entire softball season like that, and softball was one of my favorite things, and it really ruined it, and I still remember this like so distinctly and I'm still I'm still so bitter about this and every once in a while around town I'll see this guy who was the dude who he was the dude who pulled this on me and when I see homie now I I get upset I get like I get like I want to say something but I'm gonna I'm gonna be impolite the it looks as if time has not been kind to this dude he does not look like an athlete today and he does not look like a happy chap at all so I figure I figure karma you know karma got him on that one but the whole thing was really a bummer and it it still still kind of irks me to this day not that much I'm gonna admit not that much I don't even 
don't even think about it, but in dredging up memories for this episode, it did come back to me and that that really bummed me out and it kind of bummed me out on PE overall for like the remaining years of junior high. The the good stories seemed like they happened in like the first and second year, but then for some reason as we went into the third year, my standing as a as a competent athlete really faded in people's eyes. I, I don't know why, because I always felt like I did all right. I wasn't good in like every single thing. I'm gonna talk about the the big junior high year-end PE track meet in a second, which was, that was something where I did not really excel. And I think that that, just like watching that year in and year out may have, may have affected people's judgment. But we'll talk about that, that in an un momento. Let's, uh, let's take a quick break and we'll be, we'll be right back. This is Ernie Allen. Note the well-developed body. No surplus of soft fat. Notice his alertness, his bright interest, poise, and confidence. Ernie? First Ernie. Ernie? First Ernie. A year or so ago, Ernie was in a rundown condition. He always seemed to have a cold or sore throat. Any sickness that was going the rounds was bound to get Ernie. And sometimes there were more serious illnesses. The doctor suggested a three-point program for health. Sleep, regular rest, right eating, a sound, balanced diet, and exercise when Ernie felt stronger. Don't overtire. He was learning the skills of the game. As time passed and Ernie grew stronger, he increased his daily quota of activity. He was learning the skills of the game. You're listening to IC Robots Radio. Good old Ernie out there learning, learning the, skills the skills of the game. Beep. So this is probably going to be like the final segment of the show. We've covered a few sports that I like. There were, there were of course, other sports and things that I'm going to just kind of gloss over a bit really quick before we get to what was like the PE main event of the year, the big... The big track meet, of course, you had dodgeball. I really enjoyed dodgeball. We would play with those red rubber schoolyard balls, and the rules were you had to hit people in the body. There was no shots to the head. If you caught the ball, the person who threw it was out. You were you were split in the two teams that faced each other on opposing sides of, of the basketball court, and the first team that eliminated the other team was... The winner, I was a pretty good thrower. I have an accurate arm and I was good at nailing dudes who weren't paying attention. I could catch a dodgeball and I would get a lot of people out that way. I wasn't one of those dudes who could throw hard and put English on the ball. The The dudes who could do that would really dominate. I was just kind of a dodgeball mid-carter, but I always, I always enjoyed playing that. There were a couple times when I was the last dude against the other team and... I recall one time where I was the last fool left and I managed to catch a couple and got a dude out before I got eliminated and people were really into that. That's still one of my P.E. highlights. Another P.E. sport that I recall was cross country. This one, this one was whack. It seems like the coach was just trying, trying to punish us. I recall every day for like a two week period of the semester, you would have to run a course that was like two laps around the track and then one lap all the way around the the side field where the four softball fields were and then 
back around again and two more times around the track. This was, this was murder on me. I've never been a good runner. I'm not fast. I don't have running stamina. And this was just, this was murder. I was always like murked for the entire day after this. And then the next day my legs would be all sore. You know that deal where you run a lot and then the rest of the day like your legs are twitchy. I would always get this. I did not like the cross country unit. There were dudes who really excelled and that was cool for them and I appreciate that Coach Guido was just trying to get us to like improve our running ability but you kind of got to ramp yourself up to that kind of running. You can't just take dudes who are used to running one lap and then all of a sudden be like oh run the equivalent of nine eight or nine not cool at all and I I never did well in that we did basketball but there's not really a lot of note to that it was just more or less basketball type things we of course did presidential physical fitness and I was not that awesome at that I still still killed it in sit-ups but I didn't do that well in any of uh any of the other events I'm just not like a good athlete I don't run fast I can't jump high I'm good at I'm good at sports I'm not a good athlete but I am good at sports I get I get a lot of practice when I am interested in something and I can learn the like the skills of the game, but I don't have that like natural athletic ability of a, a Bo Jackson or a Walter Payton type. I'm more of a more of just like a slap hitting, slow running dude with with good fundamentals and things like the presidential physical fitness or cross country or any of these things. They never they were never really my cup of tea and now I'm gonna get into what was the big PE event of the year every year. This was an event known as the Big P.E. Track Meet. The Big P.E. Track Meet was an event that took place like the last one or two weeks of the year every year. This was like a big yearly event. The entire P.E. year led up to this and how it worked was they would take every class and they would split you into into like different teams in your class. And then over the course of like a week long or two week long period, you would compete in all these Olympic style track events and your place would determine you know what amount of points you got for your team example you know like a gold medal winner would get 10 points bronze would get five silver would get seven that kind of thing and then at the end they would add it all up and there would be a winner and not only that the winning team would then get to compete in like an all-day event that they would have at the school with the different PE classes competing against each other till they led to one eventual winner. I think they still do this event over at the middle school. I live right near there and I walk the dog by there all the time and there is like one day a year I see where they have all these different people out in the field and the school band is there and dudes are just running around. It's not like a different like school track meet or anything. I think it's a PE track meet. Everybody looks like they're in the same uniforms and it looks like they're out there going for it. But this was something that I dreaded every year. At first I was kind of into it, but then after having that running with the jerk jock who under Mr. Guido's guidance, you know, called me a, called me a name. I kind of started to lose my lose my love for PE and over the years I got less and less and less interested in it and the track meet became more and more like something I dreaded rather than something I looked forward to and one year I remember I was you know I was on a team I was picked very low I would never ever ever get a good picking placement in this because everybody knew that your boy was slow and that your boy couldn't jump and that your boy couldn't do any of the things I was all right we would do a shot put event and I was okay in that and I was okay in Like a couple of the other events, but I was not a track and field dude. As far as I got into it, it was like the arcade game where I had to push buttons 
or the decathlon game where you had to move the joystick left and right. This was just not my jam at all, and I dreaded it like the worst thing that was ever going to happen. My my story about this, it sort of revolves around a particular event. One year, I was I was on a team that was was contending for being the number one team in our class, which would let you go to the all-day track event, which was which was something everybody would look forward to because the entire school was there watching and there was no class that day. And we, we had a good shot of making it. Everything was leading up to the final day of gym class, the, the interior PE gym class event where the main event was like a relay. And I don't remember the exact details of what it was, but it was sort of like a multi-length relay. For example, the first guy would run half a lap and then the second guy would run a quarter lap and then the third guy would run a straightaway which would lead to the final guy running an entire lap and there was some kind of a rule like a bylaw to this where you had to pick people in the event who had not competed in the previous event which was also a relay of some sort but this was like a more of a sprinting relay this one was considered like a like a long distance relay and the details of this are all fuzzy because this was like one day many, many moons ago, but I'm trying to get this as accurately as possible, and when it comes down to it, it's really, like, the moral of the story that's going to be the most accurate, but I was not chosen to compete in the previous relay, so I had to go into this relay, and I remember the the better jocks on my team were all, like, gathered in a huddle, and they were all trying to, they were all trying to figure out what the best way to go about this was, and I said, look, I think that you guys should just, you should pick me to run one of the straightaways. I'm not a great runner. That way you'll get me in and off as quick as possible. And the dude was like, no, we need to have our fastest guys on the straightaways and our fastest guys on the other side. So I think that we're going to choose you to run the entire lap, which was like the final thing. The, The whole relay would lead up to this one entire lap. And this one entire lap would essentially decide the entire season because we were close and... If we would do well in this event, we had a chance to take the entire thing. And I knew that the race would be close. And it was all going to come down to this one lap. And I said, look, just get me in and out as quickly as possible. Do not pick me to run the lap. I don't know that I can sprint a whole lap. I knew for a fact that I could not sprint a whole lap. And I had no idea what they were thinking. This, The brain process behind this did not make any sense to me. But they were like super duper insistent. I remember one of the guys was like, look. We're going to go at it like this. You're going to run last, but the reason that is is we're going to get so far ahead that by the time it gets to you, there will be no way that they can catch you and you can go as slow as you can or as slow as you want. And I'm like, this doesn't make any sense. I don't like this idea. You're depending on me too much. The whole season is going to come down to me, but that's what they wanted to do. And I remember waiting for my turn and I'm watching and the way they were planning it, it was going. It was going like how they figured. They got really really far ahead so that when they passed it to me the closest dude was like he was like three quarters of a lap behind so I start you know I get the baton they hand it to me and I'm running and I'm running and I'm running as fast as I can and I'm doing like my absolute best but I only honestly have like half a lap to maybe a quarter lap stamina in me at all so I start I start slowing and I can hear them I can hear them come behind me and I'm like I'm doing everything I can I'm doing my best I'm like seriously like trying my hardest but I can hear them coming and I can hear them coming I can hear the dudes on my team screaming run run faster they're catching up to you and I'm just like in my heart I'm panicking I can hear my heart in my ears just beating and beating and beating and I'm doing my best but they they passed me and not only did they pass me they went like 
so far ahead of me that I ended up being the the last dude and we did not win the big track event and man they berated the heck out of me and I'm just like I know that I didn't do as good as one would hope but geez you guys picked me to run the last lap and I told you I told you I did not have the stamina to run this lap but like they're not hearing it they're jerk jocks and they're like popular chicks and man I did not hear the end of that forever because everybody wanted to be the PE champions because you got to go to the big event and you got to miss like a whole day of school just to play track events while other people watched so there you have it that's like that's like most of my memories of PE class and I I really do hate to like end it on a downer like that but don't worry about your boy man I I shook that track event off. I don't even care, man. I didn't even care about it at the time. I hardly care about it now. What am I saying hardly? I don't care about it at all. I really, really had to like dig deep to even pull these memories out. It's it's weird. Uh, there were periods where I absolutely hated PE and there were times when I absolutely loved it. But if you ask me right now if I wanted to do like a daily PE class with my peers, I would be all for it. I think that would be super fun to go like once a day and get to play softball for an hour or flag football for an hour. I would be I would be all for it. I think it's I think it's a good idea. Maybe we should try to launch some kind of a program nationwide where every day we all get together and we play, you know, flag football or dodgeball or basketball or we have some kind of like track meet where somebody can leave feeling really bad about themselves. <laughs> uh that would be cool, but it's, you know, it is what it is, right? When you look back at the past, all these things, whether they're good or bad, all they do is serve to make you the person that you are. And hopefully, to at least some degree, you do like the person that you are. So you have to look back at these things uh, with, you know, with a smile, I guess, man. I'm only talking about, like, up to junior high. Because once I got into high school, PE didn't even matter anymore. And junior high was like a real, real status maker. You know, the dudes who were good in gym with the dudes who were popular and cool. Once I got to high school, nobody, nobody even cared. I would go to gym and play and goof around. And I did not give a flip. And nobody did not give a flip either, whether I was good athlete or bad athlete. Nobody cared. It was just, it was just something you had to do to get, get the uh, diploma. So... I don't know. We're not really going to talk about that. It's just is what it is, man. Just all this gym stuff just is what it is, I guess. Let's uh, let's get out of here, I suppose. Let's let my main man, Kevin Zerb, hit the keytar, hit the keys, sing us on our way out. And I hope hope you had a good time and I hope to, uh, hope to talk to you soon. To this boring life, I can't get boring. To this boring life, Oh, this boring life can't get boring. Boring, boring life. This boring life can't get boring. This boring life. Oh, this boring life can't get boring. Boring. Oh, this is for the night. Can't get money for the night.